Today, I don't really have a title for this message, but you'll see where I'm going here in a minute. It's not going to be a popular one, but he spoke to me through it. Uh, my first scripture today, I'm going to get right into the Word, Genesis 4, 1 through 8. I'll be reading out of the NIV, this first eight scriptures here, eight verses. It said, Adam lay with his wife Eve. Everybody knows Adam and Eve is, right? Yeah. Everybody knows Adam and Eve, I'm sure. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Go ahead, sis. Later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked soil. He gets us there, both farmers. One farm sheep and one farm of the dirt. Go ahead, sis. He's first in the my first In the course of time, Cain brought, brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. He brought forth some of the fruit. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. It's what we're talking about this morning, right? Given it shall be given by the same measure. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Go ahead. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was, was downcast. So Cain was kind of depressed and he was mad about it because God didn't look with, with favor on him. Go ahead. Then the Lord said, Cain, we're almost to my main text is seven here. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Go ahead. If you do what is right, you will be accepted. Or won't you be accepted? Let me start over there. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He's asking the question there. He's giving Cain a second chance there, right? God had already brought to light his sin. He'd already revealed his sin here. And he was giving him a second chance. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. The King James says laying at your door. Laying at your door sounds kind of like there's a little gentle lamb laying out there, right? The NIV and a lot of other... And, and if you look up that word laying in the, in the Greek it, or in the Hebrew, it means crouching. Crouching to me reminds me more of like a tiger. Crouched down there and he's stalking you and he's ready to pounce on you at any time. Waiting right outside the door. As soon as you open the door up and get ready to step out there, he's going to jump on you. It's going to be hard to get this tiger back off of you, right? Once you let him get on you. If you don't do some things to stop that, it desires to have you, but you must master it. Sin desires to have you today, but you must master the sin. How do you master that sin, you ask? We're going to get to that. By being righteous, by living a righteous life. Go ahead and eight. Let's go ahead and finish this. This text out here that we'll get to the preaching. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Premeditated murder, you see, they ended up in. God, God recognized the sin right off the bat. He brought it to his attention. Hey, you're messing up here, son. If you do right, you'll be accepted. But if you keep going down the path you're going down, sin's crouching at your door. It's waiting on you. Cain didn't realize, God was giving him a second chance here, but Cain didn't realize how vulnerable he was to sin, much like a lot of us. You see, we dabble in a little bit here and there. We have to do what is right to be accepted and be righteous. You see, Cain, if he would have turned around and said, he was already sinning, right? He already had, I'm jumping ahead of myself, he already had pride and jealousy and anger, and that all led up to the premeditated murder. But God called him out when he was at the point of the anger, right? If he would have turned right then and went and made a sacrifice that was worthy to be forgiven of, this points forward to Jesus later on, he made the sacrifice for us 
This is actually two different sermons rolled up in one. It's one sermon for the people who are already saved and who might be dabbling in something, and another sermon altogether for someone who doesn't know the, who doesn't know the Lord already. Right? Amen. So if we're if, if Cain would have turned around and made that sacrifice and made it right with God right there, it would have never progress any further. Right. He'd have had his brother and they could have lived in love and in harmony and lived and, and he would have been accepted by God and everything would have been hunky dory. And then it went on down the road, like right? If he would have lived in righteousness. But instead, he let that get the best of him. God had already revealed his sin. If he didn't do what was right, the sin was right there waiting on him. The sin's right there waiting on you. Yeah. You see all those things you came to church to get delivered from? You've been delivered from them, right? But those things are all still waiting there, right outside the door. And any time you come outside of that righteousness with God, God is your, God is your uh, shelter. Anytime you come outside of that shelter, that sin's waiting there crouching, waiting to pounce on you. Imagine a 500-pound tiger standing outside this back door. He's waiting right around the corner. And he's waiting for you to step out the back door. Are you going to go that way today? We all have decisions to make. This goes all throughout the Bible. First off, let me tell you this. James put it in these words, the pride, jealousy, anger uh, that he permitted to murder, or, and to let the premeditated murder, premeditated murder, getting tongue-tied up here today. James put it in these words. James 1, 5 says, Now can't... Oh, go ahead. Then... When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Right? It starts off in lust. Starts out something small. Satan doesn't just jump right out in front of you, this big bad guy, because you would cast him down right then. You would buck. You, you would revolt against him right then. You wouldn't go for it. But he's going to start off with lust, make you want something. He's going to give you some pride. Let that pride boil up in you. I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I've already quit the meth. I've quit this or I've quit that. I've, I've quit the big sins. But now you've got to have God to finish you up. You see, we're being, we're being sanctified. We're being made whole. So the first day when you said that prayer, that's great, but you just started the walk. Yeah. You've got to continue on in that walk from now on. So he, when, when lust brings forth sin, let me, let me read this thing over. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's what James says. Isn't that the same thing that happened to Cain there? Yep. He started off with pride, led to jealousy, anger, and then death. He killed his brother. He ended up being an outcast, Cain did. He was cast out. But even when he was cast out, guess what God did? God still protected Cain. Yeah. Cain said, I can't live like this. God, if you read on here, if you want to know what happened to him, it's in uh, Genesis 4, chapter 4. Cain said, I can't live like this, God. My punishment that you've given me is more than I can bear. More than I can bear, God. And God said, no, I'll put a mark on you. It doesn't say what the mark was. But he, put a, he said, everyone that comes across me is going to want to kill me. But God put a mark on Cain so that people, he said that they, there was, theirs would be sevenfold. If you kill this man right here, your, your punishment will be sevenfold, what God said. It doesn't say what the mark is, but God still offered Cain protection. He was still his refuge, even though he was cast out, even though he was punished. You get that? Yeah. God is still your refuge, no matter how far you ran, how far you've been. You can always turn and come back to him. That doesn't mean he's a yo-yo, though. You can't just keep doing it, keep doing it, and come back and ask, and keep doing it, come back and ask. You're not going to play God like that. He's not a fool. He's not a fool, and you can't play with him like that. But you can turn around and come back if your heart is right. When your heart's broken and you want that forgiveness, no matter how far you've been or where you've been at or what you've done, you can always come back to God. He loves you unconditionally. You're his child. He said, I don't know, I might be too bad for all that. He sent his son Jesus here. Think about the death Jesus went through. Think about what Jesus did on that cross. He sent his only son here. Could you do that with your kids? Any of you. Would you send your kid up there to do that for a sinner? While you were laid up in the drug house, his son died for you. 
That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. Right? So you can always come back to him. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make all along. Everyone in the Bible has this choice. I'm going to get to that here in a minute. Number 32, 23, and I don't have this on on the board, but it says, when we sin, we're sinning against God. When I sin, any sin I do, whether it's a little white lie, something I consider inadequate, I'm sinning against God. Amen. There's no small sin. Sin is sin to God. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we're talking about here today. Because a small sin leads to big sin, leads to bigger sin. Are you following me? The devil doesn't come at you with a, with a big thing. He comes at you with a small thing first. And you're right, Chris. He attacked you in the mental arena. I preached on the here a while back about casting down thoughts and imaginations. We have the authority to cast down thoughts and imaginations. Actually, we have the authority with everything over everything with a name, everything on this earth. Um, if we're living right lives. We have to be living righteous, though. We're going to get that here in a minute, too. There's no small sin. If we know better, it's sin. I don't mean to make this a big thing and say you have to be perfect. But if you know better, it's sin. That's the definition of it. The Bible says, for him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So what might be sin for you may not be sin for me. Or what might be sin for me may not be sin for you. But let me tell you, from the day you know better, it's sin for you. From the day I'm convicted of it, from the day that still small voice inside of me says, hey, that ain't right. You can't do that anymore. Or from the day I pick up this book and I see it here and it says that ain't right. You can't do that anymore. God's word is always right. Yes. God's word is always right. Man's a liar. Even if someone's telling you it's okay, even if a preacher's telling you it's all right, if it doesn't jive with this word right here, it's wrong. Jive's not a good word to use from here. But if, if it doesn't line up with this word right here, with the word of God, or with what that, with what your spirit's telling you, the Bible says his spirit, talking about the big S, the spirit of God, speaks to me through my spirit. So it doesn't line up with what my spirit is saying to me, my gut saying to me down here. It ain't right. And if I know better than that thing, I know I'm dwelling here a little bit, but I get this cross to you. If I know better than that thing, it's a sin. No matter how you want to doctor it up or make it pretty, it's a sin. If I know better, it's a sin. If you know better, it's a sin. Get away from those things. Repent from those things. It's what the Bible says to do. All throughout the Bible, there are men and women of the Bible who had to make decisions like this. It started off with Adam and Eve. They had a choice to make, did they not? There was a tree there. They had it made. Man, they had it made, laid out there. There was no weeds, no thistles, no thorns. I'm sure it wasn't 100 degrees. The weather was probably 68 degrees all the time. Had it made. Laying around naked, eating whatever they wanted to eat. Wouldn't that be great? No. Nobody, I mean, God came down and walked with them in the still the evening. Think about it. They had it made. They didn't have to work. Childbirth didn't hurt them. They did what they, 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 did what they wanted to do. As long as all they had to do, the only rule they had, because they didn't know. They didn't know. Everyone wants to make it out as an apple, but it's called the tree of the fruit of knowledge. So from that day forward, when they ate that fruit of knowledge, they knew when God came back down, they were hiding themselves. Now I'm naked, oh man. God's coming and I'm naked. So they told on themselves right away, but God already knew it anyway. Adam and Eve had a decision to make, though, is where I'm going with this. They had a decision to make. Life or death. Life or obedience, right? Be obedient to God or die. They died spiritually. They didn't know, and they died physically ultimately too. Samson had a choice to make. Samson was another one. He had unlimited power. Killed a thousand men with a bone. Think about that. A thousand men with a bone. Killed them. He toyed with it. He thought he had control because he had so much power. God gave him so much power through the spirit and the flesh. 
God's Spirit, you get what I'm saying, the Holy Ghost came on him get through, through works, or two works, and he had so much power that he thought he had this thing on his own. He'd go in there, and he, and he was playing around with a woman that he was un, unequally yoked with, a woman who didn't believe the same way he did, a woman that they'd sent there that paid to give him his secret to kill him. And he kept toying with this, and he'd go in there and lay her head on his lap, or lay his head on her lap, and play with her and do whatever they did and say, you know, tie me up with new ropes. And he, and he would toy with them, and he would get up, wake up in the morning, and he would break the new ropes off of them and, and kill the soldiers that came to God. And you get what I'm saying? He thought he had this thing made, but he played with it, he played with this sin long enough, it ended up in death for him. Now he straightened it out in the end, they, but not before they tied him up and cut his hair off. It's the secret was in his hair. They cut his hair off, poked his eyes out, had him tied to a stone, working him like an animal. Right? And then God, he asked God for one more time, one more surge of power, God. And he brought down the, the Colosseum on all of them and killed a bunch of them. But it called, ultimately it caused him his death. That's what sin causes. David, David, King David, David and Goliath, same David. Everybody knows that story? David came up as a young man. He went out and slayed a 10-foot-tall giant. Everyone was afraid of him. The whole army of Israel was afraid of this man. That's right. They were backed down by this man. And David came out there and said, why? He's out there mocking my God. Why are, why are you all sitting back here? And he went out there and he came to him in the, in the name of the, of the Lord and took one smooth stone and leveled him. Knocked him out, took his own sword. A little bitty running boy took his own sword and cut his head off. David, though, in all that height of that glory... Imagine the glory that he brought to you when you're a young teenager and you go out and you take on the army of the Philistines and defeat them. Imagine what people were saying to him when he came back, how that life was, how he grew up the rest of his days after that happened. Imagine that. And he went from there. He became king. The king first sought to kill him. Everybody knows the story, right? Some of you don't, so I'm going to tell it. I'm going to hit highlights of it. The king sought to kill him after that because the king became jealous. David, he... he he loved God so much and he respected God so much. Even when the king came after him, David wouldn't, wouldn't kill him. David wouldn't kill Saul. He had chances to kill Saul. He seemed like he was a better man than Saul. More cunning. And, and <laughs> he had a chance to kill Saul, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't take Saul's life because Saul was God's anointed. However, David became king. The story goes on. He sees another man's wife. Lust. Lust, lust takes over for him. He takes the man's wife, sets, his, sets her husband out on the front lines to be killed so he can take his wife. That's right. right? He didn't even realize. Saul, or David didn't even realize that he was sin at the time. Someone had to come and tell him almost in a parable that what if someone did this? He said, they'd be wrong. Bring them to me and I'll punish them. And they said, what's well, you, David? It's you. David was so drawn in by this little thing, he thought. It started off little. It started off as lust, but he was drawn in by it. Slowly drawn in by it until he was in the middle of it. He killed this man. Essentially, he killed this man. Put him on the front lines to be killed. So he could take his wife. What happens next? David's son, his firstborn, dies because of this. Right? David's a man of war, so he does, he's still a great man. He turns around and repents. Comes back to God. It's what we need to do today, church. Come back to God. Turn around and come back to God and repent. Repent doesn't mean come down here and say what you did wrong. Repent means you come down and say what you did wrong, you tell God about it, and then you turn away from that thing. A 180. As hard as you're going toward the world, you turn around and you go that hard toward God. Yes, it is. Say, how do I do that? I can't see God. I don't really know God. And then you speak to God. You talk to him just like I'm talking to you right now. A lot of people I've heard say, I don't know what to say to God. How do I pray? This is an almighty God, and I'm, I'm a sinner, and I'm messed up. 
But God made each and every one of us different. He made it all of us a little bit different because he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to have a relationship with me. You follow me? Yeah. He wants to have a relationship with that person. And you'll reach people who are like you, Chris. And I'll reach people like me. And Brenda will reach people like her. And we're, he put us all here for a specific purpose. He set us all in this body here as it pleased him. So don't think you're, Katie said this on Thursday, don't think you're not good enough to do your calling. I don't think I'm a good enough preacher to be up here. But that would be calling God a liar. Because God called me to be here. God gave me several confirmations that I'm supposed to be here. Amen. God called me to be here, and he set you in the place you're in to do the job you're supposed to do. He set me in the place that I'm in to do the job I'm supposed to do. One of the confirmations I got said that, uh, it was from a preacher that didn't know me at all, said that he didn't know what I'd been through in my past, and he had no idea. But whatever it was, he was going to use those things for me to touch people that other people couldn't touch. Amen. He didn't know me from Adam. There's things like that out there about you, too. Obedience. <laughs> it's all it's about is being obedient. So King David turned this around. Dear friend, I got way off track there, but it sounded good. <laughs> King David turned this thing all around. He repented. He got back to God. His son wound up building the first uh, temple, and life was good. Um, but the, everyone has decisions to make. You have a decision to make today. Job 22 through 27 says... <clears throat> Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. And where it says, Thou shalt make thy prayer unto them. So we pray to God, and he hears us. But down here below this, in the ISV, it says, As you fulfill your vows. You see, when you came down here, when you repented and you got saved, you were looking for something. You were looking for something. You wanted something different. You wanted your life to change. None of us were happy with where we were at, or we wouldn't have came to God looking for something different, right? Are you following me? You all wanted something. I wanted something when I came to God. I wanted a change. I wanted my life to be better. I wanted generational curses broke. I wanted my kids' lives to be better. Are we all on the same page? Yeah. We were looking for that same thing. Remember that day when you made that commitment to God? When you made that vow to God? He hears us when we deliver on our vows, when we fulfill our vows. God honors the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. The Bible says, God honors the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. That's our confidence according to his will. That's our confidence that we have what we pray for. It's biblical. We have what we pray for when we're living a righteous life. Amen. Right? Amen. And we pray according to his will. I can't be praying to win the lottery. Right. i got to be praying according to God's will, what God wants. Well, how do I know that, preacher? There's over 3,000 promises in this book, and they all belong to you. You see, I hear people pray all the time, well, if it's God's will to heal my child, God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want sickness, disease, any of those bad things on you. You're his child. What did he send Jesus here to do for you? He sent Jesus here to die a horrible death for you. Think he wants bad things for you, Brother David? No, I don't. God doesn't want those things for you. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to have authority. He gave Adam authority in the beginning. Adam gave it away to the devil. The devil ran the world for a few thousand years. Jesus came back, kicked him in the pants. It's a nice way to put it. Took our authority back and gave it back to you again. He wants you to live in that authority. He wants you to have dominion over everything on this earth. But you have to live a righteous life. Yeah. You have to be living right. You have to be doing right. And you already know what's right. What you know to do is right. That's what's right. You might think you're hiding it from somebody. But let me tell you, God knows. God knows. We do all these things. God honors the faithful prayer of a righteous man. 
Yet we, we still want to harbor little sins. I, I quit the dope and I quit this other stuff, but I, I've got this little thing over here. I've got this lust thing going on. I think I'll keep it because it's kind of fun. Or I, I like to embellish stories and, and I think that's kind of fun. Or I'm, I'm real proud and I got pride, right? Matthew 10, 26 says, There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. God revealed that to Cain's sin, didn't he? And nothing hid that shall not be known. We do all these things, yet we expect him to keep his end of the deal. I expect God to do what he's supposed to do, but I'm breaking my vows. Even get mad if he doesn't do it the way I want to do it. I heard, I'm not going to mention any names, my wife knows who this. I heard a man get mad this week at, at God because he prayed for a 13-year-old dog and the dog died. Mad at God and turned on God over that. Did he really think the dog was going to become immortal? Because he prayed brand new? And what kind of life? I mean, God's word works, but we have to work it according to God's word. It's not according to our rules. He made the rules. We have to follow. He's God. He's God Almighty. I don't get to make the rules. I just follow the rules. I serve him. I got to work it the way he says to work it. If I work this word right here, what, down in the letter, what the word says it does, it works. It'll do it. Yeah. When I first started reading this book, I realized you see all these things that have all this aura around them and things like in the movies and things that have all this power and magic and things going on. This book right here is really real and it has all those things. Yes. It's really real and I have the authority over everything on this earth. Right. Everything with a name. So how would my marriage look like if I was doing this? If I was trying to hide little sins... Let's just say this right here. If I got up and Brenda was still watching TV at 10 o'clock at night, because God knows what we're doing, right? And I got up and I left out of the house. She heard the old vet fire up and I took off. Didn't say anything to her. I came back in about 5 o'clock in the morning and she was still sitting up waiting on me, wondering where I went to. And I came in and went to bed and woke up the next morning and I said, Hey, how'd you sleep last night, babe? Boy, I slept good all night long. And I made it into a big lie. But she already knew what I was doing. How do you think my marriage would look? And I still expect her to get up in the morning and cook me breakfast to make my lunch when I'm on my way to work. And expect her to act like she's an idiot and she doesn't know what I just did. That makes me madder than anything when someone lies to me and thinks I'm stupid enough to believe them. Does that fit any of you like that? How are we treating God? How are we treating God when we're hiding these little things that we know better than, when we act like he doesn't know it, and we still come down here and ask him for something? And we're still expecting him to keep up his end of the deal. How would my physical marriage look like like that, with that? How do you think your relationship with God seems like that? Or some of us, you know, this is a toast on for a little bit, huh? Some of us, the only thing we, the only time we spend with God is when we come and ask him for something. How do you think my marriage would look like if I did that? Every, the only time I spoke to Brenda was I came to her 25 times a day and asked her to do things for me. Didn't talk to her at all besides that. I'd probably be in a divorce. She wouldn't really know me personally. If I did these things, guys, we got to treat God different than this. Romans 6.16. 6, Romans 6.16 6, 6, says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, is serv- his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Hold on right there a second. Of sin unto death. You see, when sin matures, it becomes death. But obedience, what's it cause? It doesn't say life, although it ultimately does cause life, but it causes righteousness. Yeah. When we're obedient to God, we're obedient to that still small voice. When we're obedient to this word right here, it causes righteousness to manifest in our lives. 
When we become that righteous being, God answers our prayers. We hear from God. We have an intimate relationship. You're looking at me like you're dumbfounded a little bit. Am I making sense? Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Going. Don't slow your roll. Go ahead. 17. But God, be thanked that we were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. You were a servant unto sin, right? But then you heard the doctrine, the teachings of the disciples, and you, and you became obedient to those. Go ahead. Thank God for that. Being then made free from sin, ye because the servants of righteousness, you become the servants of righteousness. So you're free from sin, so now you're a servant of righteousness. Go ahead, 19. I speak after the manner of the men because of the infirmity of your flesh. He's talking about the weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to the uncleanness, uncleanliness, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. So as hard as you went toward the world, he's saying here, Paul's saying, what's he saying? Turn around and go back the other direction. Do a 180 and go the other way. The 20 says, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. So when I was serving the devil in the world, I didn't have to do anything that was righteous. I was free from that thing, right? But now that it's the other way, I'm free from sin. I don't have to do anything for the devil. I don't have to step out that door. I can get in the righteousness of God, and God is my shelter. Go ahead, 21. For what fruit had ye then in those things whereof you were now ashamed? What fruit did you get from those things when you're living for the devil? When you were doing all that work you were doing and running and doing things you were doing, what do you have to show for it? Nothing. You're ashamed of those things you did. Most times you don't want to talk about it. Unless we have pride, we want to smirk about it and think it's a funny thing and it's a great thing. Sometimes we get into that too a lot, especially us men do. That's pride right there. That'll lead right back to sin again. Does it not? That's what the scripture says here. <clears throat> For the end of those things is death. 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end is everlasting life. You have the fruit of holiness. When you become obedient to God, when you do what God's word says, when you do what your spirit says to you, you become free from sin. And you become ran by the holiness. Psalms 27. I just got one more scripture for you here. Psalms 27.3. You got time for one more? Oh, yeah. I still got three or four more. I want to quote here real quick. But 27.3 says, But now being, oh, though, though an host or an army, so let's read it like that. Though a heart, an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. If there's a whole army camped out there against me, right. my spirit has no fear. Amen. My spirit doesn't fear because I know that I have God. On my side, my pastor said last week or two weeks ago, "Me and God's a majority. Yeah, just me and God. Amen. We're a majority. When he, when I, when I'm in His shelter, my my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this, I will not. I, I will be confident. I'm still confident when I'm living that righteous life. When I'm in the shelter of God, Psalms 46:1 says, "God is my refuge." When I'm living this right life, when I'm in God's refuge. No matter what comes against me or who comes against me, I shall not fear. I shall be confident. Who wouldn't want that? Amen. In all things. Amen. No matter how big and bad a man might seem or might, he want, might want to be or he might put up a front, he has fears. Yeah. He has insecurities. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You have insecurities and you have fears. And some of the times that's why you, 
all the time. That's why you do some of the things you do. You don't have to live like that. You have your refuge in God, living holy and righteous. And think about what this means for your family. This means generational curses are broken in your family. Yeah. Gone. Things have been going on in my family for as far back as many generations as I've known of or I've heard of. And they're being broken here through God. Yes. Yeah. Through God. Amen. My kids see something different now. Is that not awesome? Yeah. That's worth living it for right there, for my kids, for your kids. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please God, how do your ways please God? Living a righteous life. Well, I'm not really righteous, Pastor, because I've, I've been, but all you have to do is be obedient. All you have, it's not that big, bad thing, it's not too big, it's, you, you can do it. Yeah. You can do this thing, I, I can do this thing. If I can do it, you can do it. You, all you have to do is be obedient. Right. Live obedient life, constantly being obedient to God. Goes on to say, if your ways are pleasing to God, so if you're living an obedient life, God makes even his enemies at peace with him. That's powerful right there. Even your enemies will be at peace with you. That's all the sermon I have today. But I'd like to do an altar call today, just in case someone here needs it. <laughs> I don't know. If, if even if there's some little thing there between you and God, go ahead and come to the altar today. Can we get some little music on soft Andy? Come to the altar today. Make it right with God. Do not walk out that door and let the sin. Be waiting out there to crouch on you and pounce on you. Don't do that to yourself. You might think, I have this. I can do this. I can mess up a little bit and it's all right. Let me tell you, you can't. You're not able to do it without God. I don't care who you are. You cannot do it without God. That's scriptural. The scripture says, be careful if you think you stand on your own, lest you fall. You will fall if you try to do it on your own. Let God have this today, I ask you. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Let God have this thing today. Give it to him today. That's the only way you're going to make it. Is there anyone here that doesn't know God as a personal Savior? I mean beyond the shadow of a doubt. If the Lord stepped out of this cloud today, and it was the end, it's going to happen like that. That quick, bam, it's over. There's no time to repent. There's no time to do anything. Or if this is your last day on this earth, there's no time. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to stand before him at that great white throne judgment? The Bible says everybody's going to be there. Whether you believe it or not, you're going to be there. The Bible says everyone who's ever existed on this earth will be there on that day. Death, hell, and the sea will even give up their dead. And they'll stand there before God. He's going to open those books up. The book of remembrance will be the first one. You'll remember everything you ever did like it was yesterday. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? All you have to do is ask for forgiveness today. The Bible teaches me all I have to do to be saved is, all you have to do to be saved is believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that He came and died on the cross for you. You have to believe that you're a sinner, of course. And you have to believe that He's coming back again for you someday. That's all you need to believe. Then you have to profess it with your mouth. It's your choice whether, choice whether you profess that today or whether you do it on that great white throne judgment. Because the Bible says... Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Your decision is whether to do it now or then. If that's you today, slip your hand up real quick and right back down with you. We can pray for you. Thank you for the hand. Thank you for the hand. There's two. Is there any more? Three. Is there any more hands in the house that would say, you know, maybe I've been saved before. Maybe I'm, I've been just messing up a little bit. Maybe I already know what it means. 
the sinner's prayer real quick, church. Together, we have three hands raised today. Three hands that are ready to make that decision today. Just repeat after me if you would. Father, Father I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I want to do right. I want to live that righteous life that you've talked about today. Lord, please forgive me. Live inside me. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. If you said that prayer and you believed it, you're saved today. There's something you need to do, though. You need to get in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let me know today before you leave here. I have a couple different translations I can give you, whichever fits you best. But let me know today before you leave here. Get in that Bible and read it. You don't have to read the whole thing at once. You don't have to read a chapter. You can read a few verses, whatever you're able to get. Read it. Pray about it. Read it again. Ask God to give you understanding of it. Call me, and I'll help you with it if you need. 